Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, my guest today is David Allen, and he's a best-selling author of perhaps the best book written on personal productivity called Getting Things Done. Now, this episode first aired back in 2017, but the subject of personal productivity is so timeless, and the way that David Allen talks about it, well, it'll open your eyes, because I think Getting Things Done is also an essential book for all sellers to read, because it teaches you how to truly break down a job, like a sales opportunity with an enterprise client, teach you how to break that down to the smallest logical tasks that need to be accomplished, and how to predict the very next actions you need to take to keep sales momentum moving forward. So in our conversation, Dave and I dive deep into how to undone tasks are stress-inducing, and we dig into the three main behaviors that you must use to manage your commitments, and we explore the larger idea of barriers to productivity that we all confront on a daily basis and how to work through them. If you haven't read David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, you definitely should. All right, before we get to David, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. Thank you. All right, let's jump into it with David Allen. Delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So if someone listening to the show hasn't read David's classic book, Getting Things Done, uh, you got to make it a priority to do so. I think it's a absolutely fantastic book for sellers. And and as I told David before I went on the air, I actually one I referenced quite a bit in the early chapters of my most recent book, Amp Up Your Sales, because of the direct connection it has to sales. So first question for you, David, is, is how do you define productivity? Because there's people who believe we have a productivity crisis in sales. And I sort of want to jump into that a little bit. Well, in a strange way, everybody's already totally productive because you're producing whatever you've got and whatever you're experiencing. But that mm-hmm. could be could be fun. It could be spaghetti. It could be whatever you're doing. It could be listening to this. You're being productive because you said, I want to listen to this. And so you're, if you're doing that, that's what you're doing. You're producing uh, that experience. What most people refer to when they talk about productivity is improving somehow what mm-hmm. I'm doing, what I'm doing, the quality of it, the quantity of it, et cetera. So there are actually two aspects of that. One is uh, just to be more efficient with what you're doing. Uh, in other words, if you're trying to list this, listen to this, you know, standing upside down or something, that may not be your most efficient way to pay attention. <laughs> so well, part of it is just, you know, one, you could be more productive, call, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get across town. What's the most easy and efficient way for me to get across town? And the second way to be more productive is to be more selective in what you're trying to produce. Called, do I really want to go across town or should I meditate or should I, you know, make a sales call or what else, you know, making your choices about where, what you decide to produce at any point in time. And so those are the two aspects that uh, usually people are after when they say we need to be more productive or we've got a productivity crisis. A productivity crisis simply means, hey, we should be, we should be focused on something different than we are or we need to be more efficient or effective at, at achieving whatever we're focused on. Yeah, I mean, the fear in sales that you often read about is this fear that sales reps are increasingly distracted by menial tasks, uh, maybe you know, housekeeping with their CRM system, or you know, increasingly perhaps by some of the you know social work, social boundaries sort of blurring. And uh, and you point out, I mean, work work has no edges. You talk about it in your book. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a it's an easily distracted world uh, out there now, simply because of the twenty four seven availability of all the stuff. 
you know, and that it's all, it's so easy to get sucked into that, especially if you're resisting something you should be doing. It's very easy to, to run down the rabbit holes of social media and, you know, all that other stuff. So, yeah, but, you know, that's been true. That's true about human nature. It's been true forever. So it's just, there's nothing really new about that. You know, when I was, when I was, you know, 13 or 14, I spent three hours on the phone with my girlfriend at the time. I was being highly, highly productive at teenage love, but I was not doing any schoolwork. So what's the difference between that and letting yourself be on FaceTime or, you know, or Facebook or, you know, whatever. So, uh, it, it's, there's nothing new, you know, about that, you know, but has, you it, know. has it, has it gotten worse? I don't know. I don't Man. know. What do you mean by worse? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. On. I mean, as you a know, kid, kids have always, you know, allowed themselves to get distracted and do other stuff like that. I think when you say worse, it probably means, yeah, it's a little, it's a little more there. The bright bauble is a little closer to your face more often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's right. Attract, Good. You know, attract you to run down that, those paths. Yeah. So in sales and, and in business in general, I think um, James Fowles, yeah, talked about this and I know he's you know, wrote the forward to your new edition, but he says, you know, the difference between the, where our anxiety comes from is the difference between the done and the undone tasks. Mm -hmm. And yeah. How do you, how do you start reconciling that difference? Well, um, look, here's the secret, Andy, about getting things done. It's about defining what done means. This is done when what's true. Mm -hmm. and, defi and defining what doing looks like and where that happens. And interestingly, those require two different parts of your brain. So it actually t is a cognitive muscle to train. Wait a minute, what am I trying to finish here about this client, about this project, about this proposal, about this presentation, whatever? What, when is done done? So, uh, and then once you've defined what done means, what's the project? You get to mark this off as complete when what's true. Not when the client buys, by the way, because that you, you can't necessarily control. They may have had a bad day. What you can control is maximizing their, their opportunity to buy. Mm -hmm. That you can do, you can get that done and check that off as done and then just wait to see whether they buy or not. <laughs> but then at least you said, I gave it, I gave it my best shot. I, I can now complete that. But the other piece of that is what's the very next action that I need to take about any of those things I am committed to do. So action and outcome are the zeros and ones, the ultimate reduction of productivity. What are we trying to produce and how do we allocate or reallocate our resources and focus and attention in order to make that happen? So yeah, well, it's, it, it is the sales process. Yeah, well, I definitely want to get into uh, the very next physical action because that's, <laughs> I think, is hugely important for sales. But maybe before that, you in the book you talk about the three basic behaviors for managing commitments, which I thought was sort of from a principle and a philosophical standpoint important to point out to people's. And the first one, you said, if it's on your mind, it isn't clear. So what, what did you mean by that? Well, there's two ways for things to be on your mind. The positive way for things to be on your mind is to be thinking, um, to be thinking about your client or your presentation. Right. In other words, you're maturing your thought process. Well, I could approach it this way. I could approach it this way. That's that's cool. That's that's mm -hmm. what your mind is for. If you keep thinking of the presentation, <laughs> oh, I got to go do this presentation. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do this. That's what is usually on people's minds. And that kind of rep repetitive worry or repetitive distraction about something that's an open loop out there is highly unproductive, exhausts your energy. And the problem is, is, is when it's on your mind, it's not getting done. 
it's on your mind because there are decisions about that situation or circumstance that you haven't made or you haven't parked the results in a trusted place you know you'll see at the right time. So, and that, yeah, the that's, key then. That's the, that's the algorithm. That's the formula. You want to get your head clear so you don't have to go very far to see where to start to implement this methodology that I uncovered, and that is start to notice what's got your attention. Where has your mind already gone while you've been listening to <laughs> the two of us? <laughs> no, but people's minds never wander, right? <laughs> they're not looking at their phones or doing anything like that. Just paying attention to us. So, so interesting distinction then between um, fixating on something without thinking about it and actually thinking about it. Yeah. Well, you need to think about your client, not of your client. Of your client. That's right. And, you know, if, if you need dog food pops into your head twice, you're inappropriately engaged with your dog. It, you see, <laughs> getting things done is not so much about getting things done. It's really about being appropriately engaged with your life so you can be present with whatever you're doing, whether that's cooking spaghetti or making a sales call. You just want to have your head totally clear. But those things that are rattling around in your brain, most people are trying to use their head as their office, and your head is just a crappy office. You know, it's just, it, it, they, new studies have shown that you can only manage about four things in your head that you can't, you know, that, that you can't finish the moment you think of it and still manage those things appropriately in terms of their relationship with each other and being reminded of them. Mm -hmm. Four. That's it. And most people have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds oh, yeah. of banging around in there. And so, you know, you're kind of almost dead from the beginning. Uh, unless you start to build your external brain and get all that stuff out of your head and build appropriate engagement with it. Appropriate engagement doesn't mean you need to buy dog food. It, it means that dog food needs to be on the posted on the fridge. So whoever goes there next to the, to the store <laughs> gets dog food, you know, then, then you're cool. You well, know, so. Yeah. And you talk about that in the book is and in your system is, you know, one of the, the key steps is you just have to get everything out. And, mm -hmm. and so how do you do that? I mean, is it just a matter of just writing it all down in, one, in one place? Pen and paper. Well, what you need to do is put it into a sort of a collection bucket that you trust. So, you know, you, you need to have a notepad and you need to be able to tear off those notes that you take either in the client meeting or the things you wake up thinking about or whatever. And then what I do is I 90, most of the time, I just then throw those pieces of scraps of paper into my physical entry. Because now it's now I've got a placeholder because I empty that in tray and you know clarify and organize and process the stuff in there every twenty four to forty eight hours. So I drive backlog to zero, but it doesn't mean I do the backlog immediately. I just need to make sure I've captured it and that I put some placeholder for that in some appropriate place. Now you can digitally record it somewhere or you can whatever, but for the most part, I use low tech for just the externalizing to the capturing process because you know it's always with me. Don't even need to turn it on. Right, I was going to have a little notepad. Right, I was going to ask about that. Is is there something about doing it physically as was digitally that that helps with the, the no, thinking process, with I, the remembering it, process? It might, but for the most part, you just want to grab a placeholder for whatever's popping into your head. It's true that when you sit down and start to write things out, or even type things out, it doesn't. You don't have to do it. You know, just necessarily physically with pen and paper. I think people are something different about that. But I. Oftentimes, we'll, we'll just be writing out something if I'm trying to create an article or a document and just starting to write on the computer. Mm -hmm. It just helps, just you know, facilitates the thinking process. Right. So if people are trying to make a sales presentation in PowerPoint, just pull up PowerPoint, boot it up, you know, and just start filling in stuff and make a bad, you know, you know create a crappy first draft. You know, and that, will, that will facilitate the thinking process for sure. So any kind of externalization is going to help. Got because it. if you don't, your mind says, wait a minute, I... 
there's a good that was a good idea I, and it's in a, in the same it's still trying to keep track of that good idea so it's taking up room that's not available for other things so writing it all down even if you throw away 80 percent of it which i do i just don't know which 80 percent that i need to throw away until i loop back around and you know move into executive thinking to say well how important was that thought david or how important was that thing that you thought you might do something about and those are two very different processes. So that's why, as you know, there's a five-step process for how you get your kitchen under control or your consciousness under control. Step one, capture. Get it out. Mm-hmm. And then you don't just you don't just leave it out. You know, otherwise you've got lists stuck all over God and creation. And that doesn't help either. So you need to put those whatever you externalize, you need to just put that those placeholders and those triggers somewhere that sooner than later you loop back around and then clean it up. Mm-hmm. So Getting back to, but you know, we cleared the mind. That's uh, the other sort of working towards your next physical action point is is that you have to be able to clarify what what your commitment is and decide what you have to do, mm-hmm. uh, if if anything. And I and I thought that qualification of if anything was pretty important. But tell us a little bit sure. about that. Well, there's you know the the key first driver when you open an email or look at any of your notes or whatever is look is there any action I need to take about this? Is it actionable? Two answers, yes and no. There's a lot of no's. You know, some of these things are just notes you took and say, hmm, no action on that. That's just kind of collateral material or whatever. So it's either trash, because I don't need that anymore, so mm-hmm. you throw it away. It could be reference. Call. I want to keep that note, because that, you know, if you've got a file on your on your client or, or the, you know, whatever, you might want to throw it in there just so that as you review their notes when you're going to meet with them again, it's kind of nice to see some of those, that collateral material just kind of refreshes and reminds you what the context was you know, uh, with the client and the re- and your relationship. So it could be trash. It could be reference material that you just park appropriately. And it could be something you say, no action on this now, but you know, there might be later, you know, a potential client says, Hey, look, God, we're not going to budget for another two months. And I can't do anything until that, you know, until that loops back around. So, you know, yeah, you know, so then you, of course, if you're a good salesperson, you say, well, great. If I haven't heard from you, when would you like me to yank your chain about this? And they go, oh, well, yeah. Um, why don't you call me first of May? Great. So there's no action now, but there is a, an action that you need to need to consider on the first of May. And so that's where you need to put it on hold or incubate. So those are the three non-actionable things. So those things to trash or either reference or, or put on hold. And the actionable seems- stuff, you know, then then that's where you get into what's the next action on this. And if one action won't finish it, what's the project? Right. Well, it seems like with email these days and and text and chat and whatever else that that uh, it seems like people sort of feel like this, you know, the whole reciprocity instinct comes into mind is that, you know, somebody sent me something, I have to send them something back <laughs> as opposed to just saying, yeah, I can I feel comfortable just deleting this right now. There's nothing I need mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Well, that depends on your protocols. It depends on how important that is to you. I've, I've responded to 99.9% of anything anybody's ever written me for the last 35 years. So I just found that that helps build my brand. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, I like the sort of building that sort of integrity and trust out there where people just know if they ping me, they're going to get, they're going to get something back, not immediately, but they will get, they will get a response. So, but that's just my judgment call. That mm-hmm. doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be everybody's. Yeah, I mean, sales is a very interrupt-driven profession. I mean, it seems like one of the hard things that that people are encountering, and you see a lot written about these days, is this whole concept of time blocking in a day, mm-hmm. and you know, basically saying no to everything that that's not that prescribed activity during that point of that specific period of time. 
I do that very rarely. I think there are times when you need to do that. You know, you got, well, as you know, one of the key elements of this methodology is the weekly review. So mm -hmm. once a week, you need to be stepping up and look at the longer horizon of when you've got stuff due, when you've got stuff coming up, what you need to do about that. And that's when I might do a little bit of time blocking. If I see something as a due date, I've got a presentation that's coming up in Friday and there's, you know, and I've got gazillions of things already on my calendar between then, I better block a couple of hours in order to be able to get it done. You know, so yeah, it, it, that can happen, but be careful about that because as soon as you, you know, oh, I'm all, I'm going to, I'm going to schedule everything out there and then the, the world falls in your head and then you feel terrible because you're not keeping your agreements with yourself. So you have to be very careful about that. Yeah. That's an interesting point because, you know, now in the last couple of years, there's been several books written about, uh, time management that, that are all about, yeah, forget the to-do list. Everything goes on a calendar. Yeah. Well, good luck. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask your opinion, but I guess I got, just got it. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, well, good luck. I mean, come on. I, I don't, don't you like to be spontaneous and follow your hunches and let your intuition tell you what you feel like doing when you feel like doing it? Sure. Is that, is that just me? Well, I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of people are torn, right? I mean, people feel like they should have some spontaneity, but on the other hand, they're being told if they don't continually, you know, sort of constantly block out their day that, you know, they're never going to be productive or increase their productivity, not productive, as you said, but increase productivity or meet some standard of productivity that's being laid upon them. Well, I wouldn't make any rule about that. People, let me give you an example. People often say, David, should I do email on the vacation? I say, do, will doing email allow you to relax on the beach more because you know you're not missing anything or will doing email distract you from being relaxed on the beach? You decide. Mm -hmm. So it's really all about what do you need to do so all that's off your mind right? so you can be fully present with whatever you're doing. And if you need to time block a whole week of stuff and that's what gets that off your mind, be my guest. You should. Just be careful because, you know, you're going to have a lot of ad hoc stuff show up that you, you may find in the moment more important. So, you know, as long as you're willing to erase <laughs> fast, you know, and delete and or reschedule or whatever, you know, as fast as things are coming at you, as you keep making those decisions, then fine. Well, I think one of the key things about your system, and you've referred to this several times about being present, is that you've got this clear mind that enables you to focus on what's right in front of you. Because you're not, you're not distracted by all the things that you think you should be doing. Right. And also the clear mind helps you decide what to focus on. You know, if you're, if you're, you know, come on, if your ship is sinking, you don't care where you're, where it's pointed, you know, so, you know, a lot of it, you know, so <laughs> it's a great, a great statement. I like that. If your day to day is out of control, don't even try to think about setting goals. You know, a lot of people shouldn't set goals. They need to clean their bathroom. You know, there's, because Again, if the day-to-day -day is out of control and you feel like that, that, you're, that you're slipping your feet on two icebergs and, you know, it's a slippery slope, right. you know, then setting big goals for yourself is just going to create guilt and frustration. So let's so talk. A lot, of, a lot of people just need to get a lot more integrity with the operational part of their life. That will then free up their attention to right. be able to automatically, because your, your, your consciousness will lift like a helium balloon when you, when you get rid of the distractions and the residue that are holding it down. Well, one of my favorite parts of the book, and we had referred to this a little bit earlier, is about this idea of the very next physical action. And you have a little test that you have at the beginning that, 
you know, they have people sort of write down about the project that's most on their mind, you know, describe in a single sentence, you know, what their intended successful outcome is, and then write down the very next physical action required to move that situation forward. And, and for me, that's, you know, very applicable to sales because, you know, you've, you've got lots of projects. But one of the things that sellers seem to have such a difficult time coming up with is that next physical action. Mm-hmm. And it's so powerful. It's, it sounds so simple. And yet most people do not do this automatically until the heat on the situation forces people to take action. And that's, you don't want to wait for that. So you want to decide what the action is. It doesn't mean you need to take the action right now. Just don't avoid it because you don't know what it is. And that's yeah. the reason most people procrastinate is they haven't determined what's the very next thing to do. And they don't want to step into the void. Yeah. Well, and you think about it from a sales standpoint is, is you know, and I coach managers on this is, is this is the question you ask when you go to say yeah. you're doing a pipeline review with a salesperson. This is the, they say this is a qualified prospect going down their pipeline. This is the question you ask about each prospect. What is the very next physical yeah. action required? Yeah. And, you know, break it down to the tiny, that tiny little thing, because usually people procrastinate because they're afraid of consequences mm-hmm. and not, of not being perfect. I mean, I doubt if anybody listening to this woke up this morning and said, I can't wait to be an incompetent jerk today. <laughs> I can't wait to be an abject <laughs> failure. You know, to, yeah. Nobody does that. You know? no. So, so we, we don't want to, we're so afraid of, of, of that in a way that, you know, being out of control is, is our biggest fear. And so getting it down to breaking it down to the very, very, very next physical action, go, Hey, don't worry about what they're going to say or what to do. Just pick up phone, punch number. If you're trying to train brand new salespeople to doing cold calling is say, right. you know, first, first week is, Hey, all you got to do is pick up the phone and then hang it up. And then pick up the phone and punch three numbers, you know, if it's not 911, and then hang up. <laughs> you know, and get, build, your, build your success, you know, on wins. One like step that. at a time, yeah. right, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, then, then punch seven numbers when somebody answers, hang up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll get there. But, again, it's, it sounds easier than it, 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 it sounds easy, but it, it, challenge yourself to, to break it down to that point. So it, it's, it's sort of the magic and the mundane. Well, and I think the more you're ready to do that. The 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 more you're going to unstick tons. Exactly, and and you bring this up as well. Is that and this is again very relevant for sales. Is you know we're sort of fixated on this idea of a sales process, and the customer's got a buying process, and they're sort of neatly defined as these stick six step processes. But you know each of those steps have multiple steps that people just sort of want to. You know, ignore. I mean, this whole idea. Right. I think you'd give an example like changing a light bulb. You know, you might think it's four steps, so it's really like fourteen steps you know, when you really <laughs> unpack it. And yeah, in a sales process, they may have six stages, but I talk about my book. You know, one stage is really twenty-four steps, not just one. Right. And many times you'll overplan if you plan past the next action, because the next action may then define what the next actions are going to be. Exactly. I mean, if you're playing soccer or you're playing American football or whatever, what are the two things on any player's mind on the field? Where's the goal? What's the next play? Mm-hmm. You may have a strategy, but goal and next play are the essence of the game, and that's the essence of the life game. Requires thinking, and as I think as you pointed <laughs> out, that's 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 the part that people don't want to do. Yeah, that's bad news. You know, sorry, guys, thinking is required. Not yeah. a lot. You know, you have to think, as I say, you have to think about your stuff more than you think, but not as much as you're afraid you might. Well, I love the quote you had in the book from Henri Bergson about uh, think like a man of action, act like a man of thought. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's a great watchword. The first time I'd read the book uh, years ago, I was like, okay, that's that's profound. I like that. 
So um, what's been new since you first wrote the first book? You've got a new edition coming out, but what have you seen or what have you changed as a result of what's happened relative to technology and so on? Because, I mean, you wrote it after, you know, email, originally after email and other technologies that come around, but, you know, there's been this whole upswell of social and others. Anything that, that's been new that um, we should know about? Not about the methodology. What's new is the breadth of the audience that need it. You know, I knew even when I wrote the first edition that this worked for students and clergy and physicians and anybody, uh, mm -hmm. stay-at-home dad, stay dads, anybody, because anybody's got a busy life that wants a clearer head, you know, this this works for. It's just now because of the, as we mentioned earlier, you know, just the digital onslaught and the onslaught of options, the stress of opportunity and all that good stuff that's creating a lot of that stress out there, it's that much more important for a lot more people to be aware of this methodology so they can surf on top of their game instead of feel buried by it. That's the major change. You know, I also wrote in the new edition about the, the cognitive science that showed up in the last 10 or 15 years since the first edition was published. Mm -hmm. It basi basically just validates this methodology. Your head sucks as an office. Right. <laughs> you know, that's now scientific data. Yeah, and we're horrible at remembering things. Yeah. Well, it sounds, you know, like there's really an aspect sort of of mindfulness practice about the whole, the whole system. Yeah, well, yeah. It depends on what you mean by mindfulness. I mean, a lot of the the, the what what's well, being, going the on being out present. There. Yeah, well, it's all about paying attention to what's got your attention. Mm -hmm. You know, and and then how do you manage that? But trying to just get your attention off, you need dog food as opposed to writing it on a post-it. Yeah, you can sort of train your mind to sort of discipline yourself to not be distracted by something you're not dealing with appropriately. <laughs> Why don't you just go deal with it appropriately? Then it becomes a lot easier, you know, to meditate or do whatever you want to do. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, David, thank you for being on the show today. So tell folks how they can find out more about you or connect with you. Hey, www.gettingthingsdone.com. You know, so you can see kind of me and where we are and other what our resources are news free newsletter etc and my book the new edition of getting things done is wherever books are sold so you know it's a great manual okay friends that's it for this episode first of all i want to thank you as always for taking the time to listen i'm ever so grateful for your support of the show and i want to thank david allen for sharing his wisdom with us today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to this podcast sales enablement with andy paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could also leave us a rating or review, let us know how we're doing. We'd certainly appreciate it. And you can do that all on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.